Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of All Queued Up, your review podcast. Pod, 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 pod. Your review podcast tied to streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Disney Plus, etc., etc. I'm your host Greg Dietz, and I can't figure out what my tongue is. And my co-host, as always, is Maya Don Fisher. How you been this week? Well, I'm better than your tongue is right now, apparently. Dude, that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're if it counts for anything, I've had funny. a very busy. I was like, if it counts for anything, I've had a very busy day, so my brain might be a little mushy, but that's okay. That's all right. Well, yeah, my, my week's been pretty good. I've uh, been playing a lot of Tales of Symphonia, um, working on the trophies. Uh, this remastered version, like I played the PS3 version like a decade ago, and they had you know, they had trophies on it, but they've completely done new things to get new trophies and made it much more difficult to get the platinum trophy for. Um, Ah, gotcha. And it's requiring a lot of work, multiple playthroughs. Fortunately, I'm so good at the game, I can beat it in two days. You know, two and a half. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could fly through it. I don't even read the text or anything. I just is go it, to point A to point B to point C to point D, etc. Is it um, turn-based? No, it's not. It's action-based combat. So, like, That's the combat in the... Uh, PS Plus Pass, right? Blah, 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 blah. I'm not sure. I'm going to find out. <clears throat> I'm going to um, but it's not turn-based. It's, I'm in. it's really fun. Uh, the combat, you know, it's a lot of <clears throat> a lot of uh, X inputs for your main attack, circle inputs for your techniques, squares to block, triangle fucking, you know, is for, I can't remember, I don't use it much. Uh, but you're given these uh, EX jewels, X jewels, uh, and they're ranked one to four. You collect them throughout the game. And you can customize your battle style. Uh, some will give you benefits uh, in some areas. You know, of course, downgrades in others. And it's just really customizable. And you can, you know, you have your base three combo attack. But you can do combos of over 100 uh, which is wild to learn how to chain together combos and stuff like that. Um, you know, and that's one of the trophies. You got to learn how to chain together and land a hundred plus hit combo. Uh, it should be T A L E S, right? Yeah, yeah. Why is it not showing up on here? Tales of Tales of Symphonia. S Y M P H. O N I O N I A PlayStation, you okay? You doing all right? Because you're giving me not Tales of Symphonia. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's on PS Plus because you know it's. Oh, I just went to the store in general because it'll tell you if it's available for your subscription. Oh, but it's, I'm not. It's not <clears throat> even pulling it up. <clears throat> yeah, I've been playing a lot of that. Uh, I've actually, I'm getting close to where, uh, I'm doing the last few things. One of the, 
I'll, I'll have to do a playthrough on hard mode, then I'll have to do it on mania mode, but that shouldn't take, you know, a week for both of those. Uh, it's not much harder on mania mode than it is normal mode, but I'm not going to play through on mania mode every single time just because, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, but, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, that is wild that I cannot find it on my PlayStation, but I found it in the store. Huh. That is that is that is wild. Um, by the way, it is not on the service, so yeah, I didn't think it was. Forty dollar game. Yep. Yep. I bought a physical copy from Best Buy. Um there is a game on uh PS Plus premium that just came to PS plus premium that I want you to play. Cause I know that you'd fucking love it. Do you, you like open world action RPGs, right? Depends on the setting, but for the most part, yeah. How do you like Greek gods? I mean, I loved Greek mythology in high school. It was one of my favorite subjects. Immortals Phoenix rising. Oh uh, yeah. That one. It's out now. Yep. It's on, mm-hmm. it's on, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of games came to PS Plus here recently. Um, there's one called uh, Neo: The World Ends with You. That's a turn-based RPG, Japanese-based. Um, there's uh, Immortal Phoenix Rising, Life is Strange: Two Colors, and Life is Strange Two. The whole season. Yeah, uh, I need to get on those. Especially, just popped on here called Anodyne, and I have no fucking clue what this is. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, because if you're telling me that Tales of Phony is a is is an action RPG. Is it open world? Uh, Not really. Uh, Like, the world map isn't very big. And the places you have to run to. I mean, you're traveling on foot for most of the game until you get these little units called Riards, which allow you to fly through the sky. Uh Um, Yeah. And then... uh, but it's not a very big world map. Like you can run from one side and you can run and span the entire map without combat in less than 10 minutes. Uh, considering gotcha. uh, it's, it's not, you know, it's you visit a lot of the same locations, uh, backtrack and this and that. Yeah, but it there's a synopsis. If you're ever stuck and don't know where to go, you can pull up your synopsis and it tells you where you need to go next. So gotcha. I mean, but it's a lot of fun. It's really fun. I love the Tales games. The reason I was saying like I'm looking for something like that is because um, I'm looking to put like long games on my Switch. Uh, and Tales of Symphony is on is on the Switch, so I might there, mm-hmm. there's a chance I might get that in like a month or so. The reason I'm mentioning that is because we are putting things in order right now to move by the end of May. True. Yeah. So. Well, I'll let you talk about that in just one second. Oh no, it's fine. Uh, I just wanted to say, want like, to. that's why I'm asking so many questions about it. That's why. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of the Tales games in general, 
like you know my favorite franchise of rpgs has always been final fantasy mm-hmm. and a lot of people also love the uh dragon quest games and they're fun too but i've always been a big fan of the tales games uh and there's tales of symphonia tales of vesperia tales of uh zilia tales of zilia 2 tales of graces uh tales of uh of tales of the abyss tales of zestiria tales of berseria uh there's a new one tales of arise i mean there's like 15 games tales games that have been coming out since the late 90s early 2000s uh but they're 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 all standalone games with the exception of Symphonia has a sequel and Zillia has a sequel. Uh, but the rest of them are standalone games. But they all have a similar theme. And this is what they're known for. There's always a, a two worlds. Like mm-hmm. one world, there's another world like in the dimension next to it. And you travel between the two worlds. It's it's standard in every Tales game. Gotcha. You know, it's not a spoiler or anything. That's just a thing that it is. Uh, but the themes are pretty heavy, you know. Don't your typical uh, JRPG tropes, like in this one, you know, it's uh, there was there was a uh, there's there's just a few basic races. There's a human race, there's an elven race, there's dwarves, and then there's half-elves. Half-elves are despised, hated, looked at as scum of the fucking earth. Um, and of course, elves, you know, look down on both humans and half-elves. Humans look down on half-elves and elves, you know, it's just a lot of hatred and bigotry between the races. Uh, but there's a sect of half elves that have what they call human ranches where they raise and use humans for forced manual labor and they're beating them and this and that. I mean, it's, you know, fucked up, uh, but I won't spoil, I won't spoil what the humans are used for eventually. Uh, but yeah, it's Southern green. Not quite. <laughs> but worse if it could be considered worse worse but yeah uh fun game really fun game uh and you know voice acted very well uh but yeah been playing a lot of that and then uh found out this evening uh, that my Master Grade Gundam Barbatos won first place in the painting competition at the comic shop for the month of March. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said it was tight judging, but I came in first place. So I'm really proud of that. Yeah, it's awesome. You should be. Yeah, I'm thrilled. So that's that's been my week in a nutshell. I've been playing a lot of video games. Oh, I helped Madison build a diorama for her English class. Um, we had to recreate a scene from the book To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, 
So we had five days to do that in. So we had to yeah. figure out what to do, put it together, you know, get the materials. Because I have lots of stuff on hand to build dioramas and stuff with. But the stuff we needed for this specifically, we actually had to go out and buy stuff. So <laughs> it was yeah. crazy. But <laughs> did that, finished it up uh, this evening, put the finishing touches on it. She's turning it in tomorrow. But yeah, that's it's been my week uh, gaming, crafting, and winning. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? How's your week, man? Uh, pretty, pretty substantial. I mean, like I, I, I got to go. We'll talk about it in a minute. But I got to go to my uh, my buddy's house and and watch WrestleMania with him because you know there's that good chance that in a couple months here I'm going to be gone. Yeah, and uh, um, you know, he I haven't really told him like that it's happening a couple months because like I'm dreading the reaction, but you know, it's not my choice, it's not my you know, it's, it just is what it is. Um, uh, but uh, other than that, like it just like I, I took Saturday, Sunday off from work, and apparently, my boss says that as hey. Let's have you work almost every day this upcoming week. Cool, dude. Neat. Yeah, I told you you'd be making those hours up. Well, I'm making more than that up. Like, it was 16 hours, and this week I'm getting 36. Because he he calls me on Sunday, and he says, Hey, can you come in on Tuesday and Thursday? I was like, yeah, not a problem. He's like, yeah, coming in in the afternoon, or coming at noon. And, uh, and then you'll, you know, close. I'm like, okay, fine. Tuesday and Thursday is not a problem. My dad doesn't go to dialysis that day. He knows that. So he's like, cool, whatever. Um, uh, so I, I, uh, I go in, uh, Tuesday, like I get home Monday, Monday morning, hella early. That was a funny thing. Leaving Andy's house. Um, there was a huge frost, um, like it rained and then there was frost and, and, but it was like, it stacked. So it almost looked like snow. Oh, Luckily, yeah. the streets the streets were because he lives in the foothills of California, which everything's just really hilly. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds obviously because it's the foothills, but you know. Um, but uh, I was a little worried leaving, you know. Uh, but I, the road road looked didn't look like black ice at all. It was fine, just wet. Um, but my car, like I wouldn't open the passenger door, and I literally like you could hear ice cracking. Um. Which I was like, that's a new fucking ex- experience I've never had before because you know I don't live in that kind of climate. Yeah, and oh, uh, I tell you what's. And then what's I sat awesome, there for. What What's awesome is when you have an ice storm, and the next day there's like an inch coffin of ice around your vehicle. That's fucking cool. <laughs> Damn. Well, I, yeah. I I sat there for about 15, 20 minutes letting it thaw, because I was like, yeah. I could I couldn't see out of the back window. I couldn't see out of my passenger like the. Not passenger, but the um, side view mirrors. So I was mm-hmm. like, I need to let everything kind of thaw out a little bit. But uh, yeah, I got home Monday. I was exhausted because I don't sleep well at other people's houses or uh, like strangers' beds. Um, and uh, I don't remember what I did Monday. I don't think I did much. I just kind of relaxed. 
I know I had to go to the grocery store at some point, but whatever. Because I know that Tuesday, I said yes, uh, yesterday I went in. He was recording this Wednesday evening. I went in, and during my shift, we're talking about, he's talking about the new, like, where we are, about two miles down the street from where we are, they opened up an actual U-Haul center, which is, like, way the fuck bigger than what we have. Like, they're going to have, like, tr- quadruple the amount of trucks. And they have 700 storage units over there. Wow. Like, place is massive. I was out there today, and I'll explain why in a minute. But, um, So he's looking at, he, he's like, I'm going to go see when they open. He drives down there for about 40 minutes, comes back, and he's like, they open up tomorrow. And I'm like, holy shit. And he's like, yeah, they open up tomorrow. So he's looking at the list, and like they had these little blue markers on each truck of ours on the uh, schedule list. And, uh, um, and he's like, fuck it. I'm going to transfer him out and we're going to take him there. Are you, what time does your dad go to dialysis? And I said, I have to get him there by nine 30. And then he starts at 10. He's like, can you come over here around 10 o'clock and uh, you and I will take the trucks over there. And I'm like, sure, I guess like, I don't really have anything else. Like I was going to see the Mario movie. Like I already talked to you about that, but yeah. Um, and, uh, so I did that today. We spent about three hours just moving trucks from our location to the new place. Uh, hmm. We we took more than just trucks. It was like we took two trailers and a bunch of fucking dollies and blankets and shit. Yeah. Um. But uh, then after that, I got to the Mario movie. Um. Picked up my dad, brought him home, and then scarfed down lunch, and then went and saw saw the new movie and. Uh, if you have, if anybody listening to this has any reservations about it, don't. It's genuinely a good time. Is the movie made for kids? One thousand percent. Um, but it wasn't ever not going to be made for kids. You know, the Mario games are also made for kids. Are they tough? Yeah, they can be. Are they made for kids? Yes. Can adults play them? Sure. Are they made for kids? Yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm seeing a lot of people say that about the movie. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck y'all expected. Like, it does a really fucking good job of... It does a really good job of, of letting you enjoy the nostalgia while enjo- while the story plays on. The story is not, like, super in-depth. It's very simple. It's about as simple, like I told Maya before we recorded, as the first game. Like, what is Mario's entire objective in the first game? To save Princess Peach. I guess at the time it was Princess Toastal, but whatever. Uh, by beating yeah. King Bowser. Or King Koopa at the time. Um, they really hadn't called him Bowser or Peach. It's really funny. Uh, but that story, you know, you, you, you go through it and you're like, okay, cool, I saved the princess. The plot for this movie is about as paper thin. Genuinely. Um, but the movie also does something really clever. It does not take time to explain fucking anything. How are these sentient toads talking? Why are there, you know, floating blocks? How do the power-ups work? None of that's explained because none of it needs to be. No. Like it, if, it's it's an established video game world that's been around since 1985. You know. Yeah. Exactly. None of that's ever been explained. Why should they start now? Exactly. You just accept kind of fantasy and whimsy and it's it's fun. Um, but yeah, that being said, I, I, uh, I do recommend seeing it when you get the chance. If you're not a big Mario fan, don't, don't rush to the theater to see it. Like wait for when it goes on Peacock, 
like I just saw a thing on Twitter that said like it's expected to be on Peacock in October. Um, but it'll probably go to streaming with rental fees sooner than that. Yeah. But uh um it it's a really good time. I enjoyed it. Like as a longtime Mario fan, as Maya can attest, um I I heard every because one of the cool things they did was they took all of Koji Kondo's music over the years with Mario games and, and like mixed it with an orchestral tone or tune or an orchestra. And uh, I heard it every single time, every single time popped up. I was like, okay, that's rad. They even threw in one of the fucking uh, uh, pieces of music from Dr. Mario. Huh? The DK rap is in the fucking movie. Like, there's a ton of Easter eggs, not just on music, but pieces of dialogue, specific characters. Like, so very, very, very early on, I'm talking less than 10 minutes into the movie, you um, you see Mario and Luigi in a, in a place called Punch-Out Pizza. Behind them is a guy that looks... He looks familiar. And he turns around... And it's straight up Jumpman from the original Donkey Kong game. Huh. They just made him into a 3D animated character. Like, you look at that old manual for Jumpman, the same fucking character. That's awesome. Does he have the blue overalls and the red shirt because Mario does? Yeah, absolutely. But he has a different kind of hat. Because the hat, like, they couldn't quite make the hat look like a cap in the original game. Um, But when he turns around, it's Charles Martinet voicing Jumpman. You did great, Yahoo! And he turns back around and I went, Oh, <laughs> that's so cool. Um, and he's actually playing on an arcade, and it is straight up he's playing Donkey Kong, but the name on the arcade is Jumpman. That's so cool. So little things like that throughout the whole movie. Um, one of their biggest like rivals in the plumbing game is Spike. Spike was a character in a different game that Mario was featured in. Do you remember the game called Wrecking Crew? I do. Yeah. Spike is wearing a hat that says Wrecking Crew. He owns a company called Wrecking Crew that Mario and Luigi used to work for. It's fucking awesome. And like, you know, kids are going to love the movie because it's a cartoon and it's, you know, Mario. It's a recognizable great character. It's like Mickey Mouse for fuck's sake. Um, But like... There, you know, adults can enjoy it too who aren't into Mario because it's it's just a fun movie. And then there's people like me that just are gonna notice every fucking Easter egg, the care that went into every little shot. Like, there's a moment where Toad, the main Toad voiced by um Keegan Michael Key, he's doing a thing with Mario, and they kick on the Captain Toad music. And I'm just like, dude, this is fucking awesome. Like, it's just constant through the whole movie it does this shit. So I just sat there with a fucking giant grin the whole time. For me, if I was giving it a grade, it'd be an A. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's not an A+, plus because it does get a little hokey with the fucking, like, typical ass, let's shoehorn a fucking popular song in the middle of the movie. Uh, okay. Yeah. Like, they get to the Kong Kingdom. And uh, the, this particular Kong tells him to get into a cart. 
and they're driving through the Kong Kingdom, and it's two Ahas take me on. I'm like, okay, I guess. <laughs> so little things like that's why it's not an A plus, as I could have done without any of that. Uh, they could have done that one song, you know, the whatever that song is, the oh, jungle thing. They could have. Well, like, there's such an atypical fucking moment in the movie that, like, people predicted the song was going to be in the movie. And it's that it's the part from the trailer where Mario's going through the obstacle course. Mm -hmm. Just take a stab in the dark what popular song, and not necessarily from this era, but popular song played during that moment. I'll give you three guesses. If you don't get it, I'll be surprised. Uh, give me a That's hint. A training montage. Of the tiger. Uh, you're close. I would say same era of music-ish. Okay. What is it? The one from uh, The Karate Kid. No. Oh, no? No. It's not from a different movie. It's been used in other movies, but it's not from a different movie. Oh, so it's still a Rocky one. No, it's not Rocky. No, when I say close, I mean like it's. I don't know. I'm trying to give you a good hint, but it makes sense. It's a, uh, uh, um, uh, I need a hero. Oh, that one. I would see. I wasn't even thinking that. That was short sugar I mean, too. <laughs> it's just so atypical, right? Like. Like, it's like they sat there and they were like, so we have a Mario montage. We have to contractually add in a fucking popular song from like Columbia Records or some shit like that. And I was like, which one do we have? Uh, I need to hear. <laughs> like, that's literally how it felt. So that's why the, sh the movie doesn't get like a higher score. But gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah. So um, before we move on to WrestleMania, um, we're also going to review the newest Mandalorian episode, everybody. I did want to talk about three trailers that came out this week. Just back to back to back. It was like Monday, Tuesday, and then Tuesday evening. Um, and those three movies are the Blue Beetle trailer, which I personally think looks great. I haven't watched it yet. Oh my god, his costume is fucking perfect. It's it's arguably the best Blue Beetle. Yeah, it's um, it's not Ted Cord. It's what Jamie no. Reyes is that his name? Jaime, Jaime Reyes. Reyes. Jaime, Jaime Reyes, my bad. Sorry. Um, but uh, <clears throat> what makes Jaime so much better as a Blue Beetle than than Ted? Like people say, Ted Cord is is in DC canon. He is like your favorite superhero's favorite superhero. Um, like he's just nobody fucking hates him. Not even villains. It's funny. Uh, yeah, and his best friend is Booster Gold, and they've just been the comedy relief duo for fucking. Since the 80s. Yeah, that's true. But uh, what makes Jaime so much better is that he's <clears throat> he's a fucking teenager who doesn't know how to be a superhero, but he has these... It's like it's 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 similar to the idea of Shazam, where you're like... Uh, a teenager getting powers out of nowhere is a fun concept, and that's Blue Beetle. Um, then they had the trailer come out, like the full story-based trailer for Into the Spider... Or Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah, yeah. I cannot be more excited about that fucking movie. There's a line in the trailer, Maya. I don't know if you caught it. 
I haven't watched the trailer yet. I feel so bad. So the line is from um, Miguel O'Hara, or as you know him, Spider-Man 299. Yeah. And he seems to be angry about what's happening with the multiverse. And he says, don't even get me started on that little nerd and Doctor Strange from universe 199999. He says it out loud. He does not call that universe 616, even though fucking Kevin Feige would love that to be a thing. Yeah. Drives me fucking bananas. 616 is the comics. Yeah. Exactly. Drives me nuts that they did that for fucking Multiverse of Madness. Because then everyone's like, ah, there's a universe called 616. I'm like, no, it's fucking not. It has to have a different distinction. I can't do two fucking 616s. It doesn't make sense. angry um but yeah that dude gotta watch that trailer gotta watch it um spider into the spider verse was easily like is in my top five favorite movies of all time straight up yeah and um so i'm fucking stoked but but the last trailer that came out which was kind of a surprise trailer i was not expecting it barbie oh i haven't watched that one either (laughs) oh my god would you get on it would you get on it um well, you know, I had a lot of stuff going on. It's very clear to me what kind of movie it's going to be. It's 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 parroting in a way Barbie as a character because in Barbie world, everyone is a like <laughs> I hate to fucking quote the Aqua song, but everyone's made of plastic. Uh there's a great line where Ken says to Barbie like, "Why don't you come back to my place?" and she's like, "And do what?" And he's like, "I have no idea." <laughs> Um, and that's because if you've ever seen a Barbie or Ken doll, you know that they are an- anatomically not correct. Uh, and uh, they're smooth. <laughs> and I think they're playing with that idea within the movie. Um, but it also looks like at one point, like she drives past a sign that says "Real World," so it looks like to me Barbie and Ken are going to come to the real world. And it's going to be fish out of water a bit. But for the trailer's sake, I'm like, that looks genuinely really funny. So, um, but it got me thinking, like, watching that movie, like, if Barbie World exists and they can go to the real world, could we be looking at a weird Hasbro? Hasbro owns Barbie, right? Or is that Mattel? Mattel owns Barbie. Hasbro owns everything else except for He-Man. So a Mattel series of movies with their with their toys coming into the real world and like them meeting up or something. I think that'd be pretty interesting. Hell yeah. But anyway, I digress. So let's go ahead and talk about WrestleMania 39. Oh, we're going to talk about that instead of Mandalorian first. Yeah. I want to get, okay. Finish with Mandalorian. Okay. Okay. Well, let's talk about it. Uh, this is the first Mania I've watched in two years. I didn't watch it last year. I think I watched the year before. I think. Okay. But I didn't watch last year. Um, but this year, uh, there were some good matches. There were some outstanding fucking matches. Uh I haven't like I was I was trying to keep up with wrestling as best as I could because I really wanted to watch WrestleMania. Um but I though the the storyline that I was paying attention to the most was uh 
the bloodline of Sami Zayn because that shit was not only funny, it was fun. Yeah. Highly entertaining. But what I think I'll do, well, here's what we'll do, Maya. Um, we'll go each match. We'll talk about it, give it a score, one through ten. And that way I can have a cumulative score for each one. And then if we have any ten out of tens, both of us will kind of figure that out and figure out what our top three is. Okay. Okay. All right. Let me go ahead and erase our scores from when I did this with Andy. That's night two. I want night one. And okay. So night one, our first match of WrestleMania was Austin Theory and John Cena. Yes. For the US title. So this match was a big old stinker. Um it wasn't like the worst match, but it was definitely like boring. Yeah, and that's why they put it on first, because there was some good shit to follow. Uh-huh. I think it yeah. sucked just because John John's out of his prime. He's not doing cool shit anymore because his body can't take it. And then Austin Theory has like one of the worst characters I've ever experienced in WWE. Personally. Here's here's the thing though, he's money. Why is he's, he money? He's money. You look at him now, uh, and I really think he's going to be huge in the next couple of years. I think he's going to blow up. Well, that depends on what Vince wants to do, I guess, because Vince is back. I know. I was going to say it was a little bitter talking about WrestleMania at 39 when he fucking destroyed Raw last night or Monday night. Yeah, I heard it was bad. I haven't read much, but so there was a moment. It was bad. There was a moment in the middle of the show where Seth Rollins comes out. He's out on stage or stage. He's down in the ring, and the crowd is doing the oh, you know, the the, the chant is. Um, and then it just cuts. It just completely cuts. The camera goes away. It goes to commercial, and I'm like, that was really weird. Like, what was the point of that? It felt like he was supposed to cut a promo and then didn't. Turns the fuck out, and people had a video of this who were in the arena. His mic was cut. Lights went down in the middle of them chanting, and he was asked to pull to the side of the ring where two people had talked to him. He's kind of confused. He goes back in the center. The lights come up. There, Nobody's chanting, and then he just, like, throws the mic and then walks out. Hmm. There were literally fucking rewrites that Vince was doing during Monday Night Raw, the Raw after Mania. Jesus. Yeah, it's bad. And here's the thing. Traditionally, the the Raw after WrestleMania has always been one of the best Raws of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, so what score would you give Austin Theory versus John Cena? It was fine. I'd give it a six and a half. We got to do solid scores, no halves. Then I'd give it a six. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and I don't remember what I gave it. I think I gave it a five. So I'll do a nine. Or, uh, that's an 11. Next we had. Uh, where is it? This is the four way, fatal four way tag match. Yeah, it was Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus Street Profits versus Alpha Academy versus the Viking Raiders. Holy shit, this match was fucking fun. It was so good. 
Um, did you go back and watch it? I did, and it was okay. I didn't hate it. Uh, it was a fun match, but I wasn't invested in it. Didn't care too much for, you know, I didn't care who won either way. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, I don't disagree with that first concept of, like, I didn't care who won. Like, yeah, because, like, Alpha Academy is the only group in there that I'm, like, I fucking love because they're so silly. And I fucking love a good comedy heel group. Um, But uh, they did some shit in that match that was just fucking fun. Like, the stack of dudes off the top rope. That was dope. Uh, anything Ricochet does, good God. Like, yeah. that dude is a high fucking flyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Braun Strowman doing the fucking train around the ring was... <laughs> that was fucking fun. Um, oh, my God. There's, I just enjoyed it. I really fucking liked that match. I've watched it three times now. Because <laughs> it's just so much fucking fun for me to watch. But uh, what score would you give it? I'd give it a, I'd give it a seven. Okay, so 17, because I give it a 10, straight up. That should have been obvious, I think, for you. (laughs) Uh, What was next? I believe it was... Was it the women's uh, three-on-three? Yeah, it was Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish Status versus Damage Control. I love Damage Control. Well, I love Bailey. Um yeah, by the way, Bailey might be walking. She might be leaving the WWE because Vince is back. Yeah. This match was bad. It was sloppy. Lita mm. looked like shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, her age really showed she cannot do the things that she used to be able to do. Uh, Trish was stiff as fuck. You know, of course, mm-hmm. she's not been in a ring in forever. So it was really Becky Lynch versus Bailey and the other two of Damage Control. Yep. Uh, and it and was really for, it, Go ahead. For story's sake, damage control, damage control should have won. Oh, absolutely. Bailey shouldn't have taken that pinfall, but she did. No. Yeah. Um, I, I give this match a three. Oh, I would. I, you know what? I'm getting a six overall because I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, it was just literally a bad match. Yeah, fair. Uh, so what was, I think the Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul match was next, right? Actually, I think it was before the ladies. Oh, so, okay. So the, uh, um, well, when did Charlotte Flair and, and Rhea Ripley happen? They were the, they were the next to last to go on. That's what I thought. Because the last match on night one was uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos. When was Dominic and Ray's match? Uh, I think it was after the ladies tag. Six six ladies tag. So we'll talk about that when I review it. All right. So Seth Rollins, Logan Paul. Oh, no, no. I got got Dominic and Ray is what I got right now. Oh, okay. Uh... Love Dominic's entrance. That was oh, yeah. genius. That was a genius entrance. Like he was, you know, storyline purposes, quote, air quotes here, arrested for assaulting Ray in his home. 
uh and then all of a sudden he's cutting promos like i've been to prison i've done hard time and they're you know bringing him out in the prison van in the cuffs with the guards and unlocking him that was hilarious so it's so over the top it's too much fun yeah because he sucked as a baby face but he's a perfect chicken shit heel yeah oh dude he like i think uh, andy and i almost called him donkey bunker uh andy and i were talking about that that like Everything that he's done to play a heel has been absolutely fucking perfect. And you know where he like, gets it from? That's from Eddie. Yes. That was Eddie's yes. influence. Very much so. Because Ray's always been a baby face, but that was Eddie's influence all the way. Speaking of Eddie Guerrero, there was a comedian I was listening to. He was talking about wrestling being fake. And uh, he uh, he goes, every time somebody says... That wrestling's fake, like I don't know. It shows that they've never watched wrestling. Um, and then he has one example, whatever it was. And then he goes, I watched a man named Eddie Guerrero and another guy named Rey Mysterio have a match for custody over Dominic Mysterio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, that's not how that works. <laughs> of course we know it's not real. Um well, their match, on the other hand, I can't give any higher than a seven. Randoms. It, yeah. Like I mean, there were there were some high points to it. Like Dominic, you know, he he more than carried his part of the load. I mean, Ray did. You sure. Know, he kept up with Ray and everything, but the storyline itself is just not that compelling. When Rhea's Fair. not involved. When who's not involved? When Rhea's not involved, and she wasn't involved yeah. in this match in any capacity. No. Um, but I think, honestly, she's the best part of Judgment Day, and I love Finn Balor. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. But... That, and, and I'll bring up something when we talk about her and Charlotte's match here in a bit. But, yeah, I'll give this match a seven. I think that's a fair score. Yeah, like, it wasn't it wasn't bad, but it was also not, like, super impressive. Neither of them did anything over the top or out of the ordinary. Like, it, it, went, it, was, it was by the numbers. No, no. And here's the thing. I've seen this match before when it was Brett versus Owen and Stu and Helen Hart were at ringside back in the fucking late 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. Or mid nineties, <clears throat> but all right. Know, let's uh. So our final three. Brett Nolan did it better. Yes. Um. But all right. So we're gonna do. Uh, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. When he came out with uh, Snoop to like this amalgamation of his his intro and Eddie's uh, uh, intro. That was cool. That was yeah. dope. It was fucking awesome. Um. Okay, so our next one is Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul. I mean, uh, Logan Paul impressed me. Yeah, he's dude. Like he's a fucking scumbag, piece of trash human. But I'm not going to deny that motherfucker is athletic as hell. He's got good instincts, and if you hadn't known that he wasn't a trained wrestler, he, he, I mean, there were just very few things that he did. 
that were like, he does that better than some of the guys on the roster that are trained oh, to yeah. do this. Oh, yeah. Did, did I ever show you the clip of him at, at WrestleMania or uh, Royal Rumble? No. So he was in the, he was in the Royal Rumble itself. And so was a, that guy Ricochet from the mm-hmm. triple or the uh, four way tag. Um, he, uh, uh, he's looking at Ricochet from the other side of the ring. And he's like, you want to do this? You want to do this? They literally jump up on the top fucking rope, spring up into each other and slam into each other in the middle of the fucking ring. Like it is in fucking credible. Hmm. I'll uh, give me a minute. I will find that fucking clip because I had to show it to our buddy Mark while he was there that night. Here, I found it. I'll, I'll send it to you right now. Like, it is fucking un-goddamn real. Um, share, copy link, send to Maya. And it's 50 seconds. Watch it right now so you kind of know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, But yeah, I completely agree. And like, it was really funny because we were, we were already get, trying to guess who was in that prime bottle. The, the mascot outfit. Um, because I what I Andy said that it was uh like no Andy said it was it was Jake Paul, is who Andy said. Oh god. And I said I was like, I was like, maybe, but like I think it's gonna be somebody else, like. I don't know. We were both like half right. And I don't remember how, but yeah. Did you watch the clip yet? Yeah, I just saw it. <laughs> Fucking unreal. <laughs> like the fact that they caught each other midair had to hurt. Had to hurt like a motherfucker. I would, I want to give this match a higher score than it then I'm going to give it. But Seth Rollins' goddamn ring attire looks so fucking goofy, I got to detract a point. <laughs> well, I mean, arguably that's his entire gimmick. Oh, God, he's just so unenjoyable. I, I wanted to see a double disqualification because <laughs> uh, I can't stand either fucking one of them. <laughs> I would have actually been fine with Logan Paul getting the win instead of Seth Rollins getting the win, but I will. Rollins, you know, he won. I'll give this match a seven. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with an eight, just because. Well, I see, loved... originally I would have given it eight, but Rollins is a tire, so bad that doesn't bother me in the slightest. So, um, as a matter of fact, there's this really cute video of them behind backstage of him and Becky backstage, and he's wearing that giant fucking red coat thingy that he had on, that Lady Gaga ass outfit, and um. Uh, she's like, you get to wear that? And he was like, I told you it was it was crazy. I told you it was over the top. She's like, I'm so fucking jealous. <laughs> oh, those two. Um, all right. So next we'll talk about the women's uh, SmackDown Women's Championship: Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. Best match of the night. Yeah, I, I agree. Best match of the weekend. I don't agree that it's the best best match of the week. No, I don't agree with that. Yeah, uh, we'll, best we'll match of the weekend. It. We'll get into that, but um, I'm 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 going to go ahead and tell you, 
I've never seen a better women's match ever. I don't disagree with that. I think that they both put everything fucking out there into the ring. They did exactly what they needed to do and entertained the absolute shit out of us. Um, they both did some amazing... Well, fucking Riptide off the fucking middle rope is rad. Period. Like, that sh- that's not shit you saw in women's wrestling. Back yeah. In the day. Um, I know a lot of those girls that have come up from ECW... Uh, just like is it NXT? NXT, sorry. If you're coming I was going to say NXT, ECW. What? <laughs> I don't know why I said ECW? From NXT are like like Andy showed me the, the War Games from 2019 of the Women's War Game. Holy shit, that match was insane. They did a female War Games match. Oh my! You have to watch. It's on Peacock. Okay. It's uh, from 2019. And then okay. while you're at it, watch the men's one on that one too, because Jesus Christ, because uh, War Games, uh, Kevin's Owens, War Games Kevin Owens is in that match. War Games matches have always been one of my favorite style gimmick matches. Yeah, the dual Definitely ring in the, the cage because they do some. But see, because that's the kind that... of shit I grew. The, the dual ring in the cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of shit I grew up on. I grew up on Mid Atlantic NWA Championship Wrestling. You know, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, fucking, you know, that's the shit I grew up watching. I didn't grow up watching WWE. And when I found WWE, it was just like, what is this cartoon shit? (laughs) Always hated Hulk Hogan. Dude, Uh, somebody did a compilation of him doing uh, uh, chair hits. He didn't, like, he would fucking touch their head. With the chair, and then the other wrestler would have to like pretend he got hit by it hella hard. Yeah, so funny. Um, yeah. What'd you get? What? Would, so ten? Oh, this seen? match. This match gets a fucking ten. Yeah, I gave it a ten as well. It's a, it's a, it's a ten out of ten match. It, it's, it's not just a great women's match. It's a great match, fucking period. But it is considering the two participants, it's the best women's match I've ever seen. Uh, I can't say it's the best women's match there's ever been. It's the best one I've ever seen, though. But, you know, I haven't That's seen... Fine. You know, I've not seen every the every woman's match from around the world, but this one's pretty fucking great. Um, yeah, I think it was funny, because I think I gave it a 10, but Andy gave it a 9, because the lead-up to it was weak as shit which I don't necessarily disagree with. Like, you have Rhea win the Royal Rumble. She challenges uh, Charlotte, and that's it. Like, there wasn't much. Well, didn't Charlotte just come back from injury in December, and she had only been back for the past four months? Something like that, yeah. I don't remember, but... um, Anyway, we're pushing quite some time on this podcast, so why don't we go ahead and I know, I know. Blast through. All right, Usos versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Uh, this is also a 10. 100% agree. It is a 100% 10 out of 10 match. It was, Sammy and, it was perfectly booked. Yeah. Sammy and Kevin are perfect together. Like, just perfect together. And then the Usos, like, they know how to play a tag, a tag team really fucking well. And here's the thing, Sammy and Sammy and Kevin. I mean, I've been fans of them since 
back when they were El Generico and Kevin Steen, which is Kevin's real name. You know. Uh, oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Like his real name is not Kevin Owens; it's Kevin Steen. <laughs> but these two motherfuckers would work together forever if they could. I mean, oh, they're yeah. legit. They're legit best friends in real life. Like the godfathers of each of their kids. Uh, you know, they love each other and they work so incredibly well together. Um, but this, the the build up for it was good. Uh, the the payoff and the emotional beats uh, were great. Uh, you know, seeing seeing Sammy land all three of those Halula kicks on Jey Uso so was I had to, pretty badass. I had to look it up because I thought he was saying hell of a kick, just like really like with an accent. Look it up. It's 100% hell of a kick, but it's, yeah. it's smashed together to be Halula kick. Yeah, yeah, but it's spelled hell of a, yeah. Because I thought it was, I thought it, he was saying halua kick for the longest time, and I was like, why would it be halua kick? Like, there's nothing about this guy that's Hawaiian, so. But halua kick makes sense, considering he's Canadian. Yeah. So, there's that. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move on to night two. Our first match there is Brock Lesnar versus Omos. I give it a seven. Oh, I give it a five. That match was fucking boring. <clears throat> well, it did what it needed to do. Is exactly what it needed to be. See somebody make, make Vince McMahon come. Well, probably. <laughs> I mean, you ever seen Manhandler? You ever seen Lesnar get manhandled like that before? Yes. Well, Alistair uh, Overeem doesn't count. Whether it was Batista, whether it was Goldberg, whether it was fucking Big Show, like, yes. Shit's boring now. I don't think Big Show ever manhandled him like that. I mean, every time Lesnar has a a, a match against a big dude, it's just that. It's just slow and boring, and I I just don't like that stuff. Like, I, I enjoy my high flyers. I enjoy my daredevils. So when he's when when like when big guys do fucking height flying shit, I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Like it's just matches like that I find to be intensely boring. So well, I mean, it ran just as long as it needed to. Had it gone any longer, it would have been worse. Uh, but not, it was it was what it needed to be. Um, you know, so almost right, is just. <laughs> that's that's another thing like like I like Brock more now than I did before like this cowboy Brock version is a lot more fun than what he has been almost is just a big guy that's his entire fucking character and I'm like cool <laughs> got a lot of Vince just stinking all over it Um. so then we had our intercontinental three way it was fucking wonderful Gunther Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Fucking wonderful, hard hitting. All three of these guys work stiff as fuck. And all three of them went at each other and were really laying their shit in on each other. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, the, the downfall of a three-way is 
you're always going to have after the initial start of all three of them going at each other, the periods uh, where some guy takes a big bump and he's just off camera. You don't even see him until all of a sudden he's saving a pinfall. Yeah. You know, that's not only thing I, what that is. Yeah. Uh, but this match, I'd give it a nine. Oh, I'm giving it a 10. I've this I've watched that match twice now. It's fucking fantastic. So I'll go oh, 19 on that. Uh the next one is women's Liv Morgan four. and what's that? The women's fatal four way. Yes. Yeah, four. Oh my god. I was gonna give it a six. <laughs> it is okay. No, it's fine. It's it's it it wasn't great. It really wasn't, but it was, it wasn't bad. Like I wasn't unentertained, but I wasn't entertained. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I love Shayna Blazer, Baszler. I think she's a badass, and I like Ronda Rousey, but the two of them were hardly involved in the match at all. Yeah. No. Get the win. Now I know Ronda's been injured. And somehow Baszler lost her fucking boot, and she was wrestling in one sh- one boot off. <laughs> but no, they're funny. legitimate. They're legitimate badasses. You know, they both did MMA. Uh, they're genuinely tough. Morgan, I think she's awesome to watch, and I'm a big fan of Natalia. Um, but. The rest of them were just kind of there. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, I don't disagree with that. I think that would have been a better... Um, uh, I, I think that whole match could have been booked better. Oh, it could have been. But yeah. But, I give it a right. four. Yeah, 10 overall. Um, our next match is the Raw Women's Championship, which was Bianca Belair and um, Asuka. 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 I fucking saying her name wrong. Asuka. Give it a seven. Yeah, I was like, it was it was good. They did they did a lot of cool shit, but it was like the build up to it was lame. Um, well, you have two baby faces going against each other too. Exactly, exactly. And really, I think that Oscar should have won, but I do too. I'm not a big fan of Bianca Belair. Neither am I. I mean, I don't I don't dislike her, but it's she's I don't dislike her, but she's not exciting. She doesn't get me. I don't get invested in her. Uh, No, that's Rhea. Um, uh, Holy shit. Um, But uh, she's, she's talented enough, but her whole gimmick, the EST, fastest, strongest, whatever. I hate that. That's so dumb. You know, yeah. I don't know. I well, they, they like talking to Andy about it. Was like they don't know what the fuck to do with her, which is why this was a face versus face match. Yeah. Um, they they have zero fucking clue what to do, and I'm like, fucking make Bianca a a a a, a heel, or make Oscar a heel. One of the fucking two. Help or just it's fucking weird. I don't know. Triple H, like, 
I like what you're doing with a lot of stuff, but there's some other stuff you're not great at. Anyway, ain't, ain't doing shit with it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, our next match, second to last match, is Edge versus Finn Balor in the Hell in the Cell. Um, before we give a score, there was something that happened in the middle of this match, and I, I got I gotta call you out a little bit, Maya, because it was hilarious to me. So, in wrestling, when somebody gets actually injured, the camera does not show them. It'll it'll be off of them. It'll because they have a lot of you know behind the scenes personnel there trying to figure out if the person's okay and what to do, and they don't want to have it on camera. They wanna they don't want to have that illusion broken. Sure, live audiences get to see it, but you know whatever. Um, when the camera was off in for so long, I was like, oh, I think he's actually hurt. <laughs> I was upset. I was just like, I I've never, never seen this before. Yeah, yeah. I have never seen, it's like, you know, I've seen lots of matches and I've seen a lot of injuries. I mean, I've seen Sid Vicious come off a second rope and his ankle snap in two and fold up and his heel touch his calf. You know. I don't think I've ever seen that. Good God. Oh, yeah. Look, look up Sid Vicious ankle break right fast. I don't want to. No, you've got to. I've seen I've seen wrestling injuries like that. I don't I don't it makes my fucking it makes me nauseous and I don't feel like it right now. Oh, okay. I believe uh, it. I, I was I was just shocked because you know a hell in a cell match is designed for brutality. You're supposed to see blood. You're supposed to see somebody get fucked up. And then somebody got fucked up. And I was like, God damn it, what the fuck's going on? This is sucking all the energy out of the match. Well, and, you know, and then I see the next day the actual fucking screenshot of Finn's fucking head. And I was like, oh, God damn. Because <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. It's like, I think both of them are prepared for some blood. Um, like, I'd love to hear an interview from either one of them, like a behind the scenes interview, because I, I guarantee fucking you. Both of them were fully prepared for blood, but Finn was not. So you know also what happened, what was wrong, why he got that cut so badly. Um, Edge pulled out the wrong ladder because ladders are color-coded, right? Like everything's color-coded for safety. Um, sure, it's still metal, so it's still going to fucking hurt, but it's it's color-coded so that way not the shit like that doesn't happen and Edge pulled out the wrong ladder. Huh. Yeah. Um. That shit, like, I was like, oh, look, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but uh, yeah, the camera was off of him for what, like, a full minute? Oh, Apparently longer just, than that. They put, they put temporary staples in his head. So that's yeah. why there was still blood. Yeah, he had like 14 staples after the match. Yeah. yeah uh, 14 medical staples. Huge, huge goddamn gash in the top of his skull. Yeah. I mean, he'll be he'll be all right. He actually, I don't know. I, th- I sent you the tweet with the fourteen staples. Did you see the other picture of his back? No, I didn't see the one of his back. I didn't look. Oh my gosh! Um, he uh, like just doing normal shit for a hell in the cell. He was all scraped up, which I don't think he would have at all stopped like the match for that shit. Like that's what you expect from a hell in the cell. Oh yeah, but um, well, what score would you give this match? Well, unfortunately, I can only give it a six. I gave it a seven. Like I've I've seen better Hell in the Cells, but also oh, yeah. like, Edge is getting up there in age. So yeah, yeah, I expected more from this match. Um, 
And don't get me wrong, Edge is my second favorite wrestler of all time behind CM Punk. You know, <laughs> love Edge. But he doesn't need to be doing a Hell in a Cell match. Oh, but on, on a side note, his entrance was fire. Dynamite. His entrance was fucking fire. His, Coming yeah, up ten with out the ten fucking entrance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Finn's normally is better than that. Oh, his was does, not bad. His was good too. But his, I've seen better entrances in the. It, I've seen them do better entrances under the Demon Persona. Yeah, I but but I mean, I love his music and I love how he crouches down and then stands up and spreads his arms when the fucking music crescendos. You know, I love how he does that. You know, yeah. he's he's always done that as the Demon and everything, but. I think what really hurt his entrance was just the length of the goddamn ramp. <laughs> that ramp was in like a fucking mile long, dude. It was stupid long. I'm like, I get yeah. it, but good God. Uh, before we get to our final match, I do want to bring up two segments that I thought were too much fun. Just silly, kind of goofy. And it was both little segments with, with uh, Miz and Snoop Dogg. Uh, mm-hmm. In night one, in night one, Snoop Dogg basically forces Miz into a match with Pat McAfee, and then George Kittle was happened to be there and did a couple moves on to Miz. Um, that was fun. That was hilarious. And then night two, we had a bit of a mishap. <laughs> yeah. So uh, 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 Snoop is trying to force a match on onto Miz again, and you hear the music pop, and it's fucking Shane McMahon. And I remember which was a up goddamn going, oh, surprise. Shit, shit. Yeah, me too. I was like, what? I was like, shit, oh, Mac. And, well, and well, that's the thing. Then he gets See, out there. After last year's Royal Rumble, Shane got fucking told never come back. He was in some hot water, oh. which was why I surprised, why it was such a surprise that he was there. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I just thought he fucking retired. No, no, he made Vince so mad. Vince told him, "Don't come back." Wow, I did not. That's fucking. Well, I don't think he is ever going to come back now. <laughs> he uh, he ripped his fucking um, his calf. Tore his quad. Yeah, or what quad, his calf is right. his quad. Yeah, but uh... it seems to be uh, a common thing with McMahon's. Yeah, I was gonna. Say... Fucking that that story of the the fucking McMahon tearing his ACLs both legs while running into the ring after the fucking uh, Royal Rumble was hilarious. No, he was just sitting there; he couldn't stand up. I remember yeah. watching that live when it happened. Same here. Well, is, have you ever heard Edge tell that story? No, it's so. Fu- I'll I'll find the video of him telling that story because he was backstage during it. Like, I think he was in the Rumble and was, you know, tended to lose because it was uh, Cena that was supposed to win. But because they both fell out, like, and you could not have made that better. Like, you, I'll, I'll, I'll find this. It's so good. Um, But, yeah, he, he <laughs> tore both of them. And full credit to Snoop Dogg for, like, the show must go on. Like, And then so land the stiffest fucking elbow I've ever seen. Hey, hey, man, you got you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know he's a fan and everything, and it was funny because, you know, he, he punches the shit out of Miz. Miz sells the fucking punch like he was hit by a fucking brick. Yeah. And Miz is just laying there, and Snoop does the motions for the people's elbow, throws his sunglasses into the crowd. His eyes were redder than fucking hell. 
<laughs> no surprise there. Uh, his eyes were so fucking red. Um, but then he does the awfulest looking shoot off of the ropes and then back and then just jumps straight up in the air and comes down with a stiff ass elbow right square in the fucking heart of the Miz. And it was fucking hilarious. Oh yeah. Dude, both both fucking Miz and Snoop Dogg spots. I couldn't I, like it was cracking up. They were so fucking funny. Um before uh have you ever heard Miz's story about being kicked out of a locker room for six months? No. So he tells this story about um when his first match, because he's he won that like contest on MTV. Yeah, tough enough. Tough enough, thank you. I couldn't remember the name of it. And it was like he was his first day on, on Raw or something to that effect. And he's eating a piece of chicken in the locker room. And a guy comes up and says, you're eating over my bag. And Miz was like, oh, I'm sorry. And like moves to the side. And he was like, you don't understand. You're never allowed to come back in the locker room. And nobody stopped this guy. And so Miz, for the next six months, every single you know spot, he just he went and changed in, the, in, a, in a broom closet or the janitor's closet or the bathroom. And there was the moment where he was in a bathroom and he was changing and he comes out and he runs into Undertaker and Undertaker says, why do you, what, what are you doing in there? And he was like, Oh, I'm not allowed in the locker room. I thought, so I'm just, I'm just changing. He goes, dude, you're like going up for a title match. You're allowed in the locker room. And Mrs. Is like, I, that's great. Like, can you tell the others? And he's like, don't worry about it. If anyone says anything, send them to me. So, because Undertaker being like a godfather of wrestling, um, nobody argues with the Undertaker straight up. Um, Miz was allowed back in. Take a stab in the dark on who was the one that told him he wasn't allowed in the locker room. Uh, Randy Orton. Nope. Chris Benoit. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I was like, wow, all right. <laughs> Piece of shit backstage and in real life. Who would have thunk it? Um, huh. Well, let's get to the last match of the night. Uh, this was uh, Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. Great match, wrong ending. I See, I don't agree. I mean, it doesn't fucking matter now, but like... You know, Andy and I were talking about it, and it was this whole thing of of like Roman Reigns has two of the title. He has he has a SmackDown and Raw title. Well, I guess they don't call it that, but he has it's, both. Yes, the unified title. It's... They want to split those, mm-hmm. and the best way to split those is to cause a storyline starting from Royal Rumble leading to SummerSlam. It's a six month storyline, and they, that's how they were going to split it by having the fall of the Bloodline, and. Uh, um, have you know Cody take one, and then like, uh, have uh, Jay, Jay Uso, win, um, Money in the Bank, and then cash in Money in the Bank when Roman is laid out and get a quick pin, and then win the other title. That is what they were going to do. Uh, now that Vince is in control, who the fuck knows? I don't know that Vince is in control. He's going to keep it on Roman as long as he's alive. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. 
here's the thing. Vince comes from the era of when his dad owns the WWWF. You know, Pedro Morales kept that belt for... I don't know. Uh, six years, seven years maybe. Uh, Bruno... Bruno San Martino, he kept the belt for eight years. Uh, yeah. Backlund kept it for five or six, and then Hogan kept it for at least four. So, yeah, I see Reigns keeping it for minimum another year and a half. Minimum until he passes Hogan. Yeah. It was going to be so fucking cool with the SummerSlam storyline and the fall downfall of the bloodline and all this shit because, like, they kind of showed it a little bit Monday night. Like, Roman comes out on stage with Solo and, and he had, and, and of obviously Paul Heyman, who's the greatest fucking heel manager of all time, period. Just you done. There's no argument. He's the greatest. Um, uh, and they come out on in the ring. Cody comes out and he wants to challenge Roman. Uh, so you know, Lesnar comes out, and they they do a tag. They're going to do a tag match at the end of the show. And during the show, um, Roman and Solo are in the locker room, and the um, Usos come out, and they want to talk to their tribal chief. Heyman answers the door and says that he's not there. He's not in the in the locker room at the time, but to go do this and sends them away. And as he walks back in the locker room, he says. Uh, my tribal chief, uh, yeah, they're gone. I, I sent them away, like, like you asked. That, you know, they're showing the descent, the downfall of the bloodline, the splitting of them up and, and you know, basically going against each other. Um, that's how it was supposed to go. But I guess something was cut at the last minute of Mania, or uh, the Raw after Mania that it's very, very fucking clear that Roman's going to have those titles for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Which is very unfortunate. Because it's not like people don't want titles to change hands super often, but also they don't want people to have the title for fucking ever. Yeah. And so that's an issue with fucking. That's an issue, just in general. But anyway, what, what, what score would you give the match? Uh, I'd give it a nine. I give it a ten, so I'll do nineteen on that. It was it was a really solid match, really good match. Love the entrance. I love the fact that he had John's kid there, John Huber, aka Brody Lee, aka Luke Harper from the Wyatt family that passed away a year and a half ago, suddenly. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> that that was a nice touch, and the fact that they acknowledged that it was. John Huber's kid being there, you know, was a nice touch. Um, and then him giving him his weight belt. And then, of course, them using the weight belt as a prop of the match. That was great, too. But I love Cody's style of wrestling. It's very uh, old school. Com- you know, it's a nice... Oh, he's got a nice old school flair to his modern 
stuff that he does. And the fact that he worked in Dusty's fucking uh, left jabs and then the fucking uh, rolling the hands in front of him and then dropping the big bionic elbow, that was pretty awesome. You know, I loved seeing that because yeah, Dusty did cool. that shit back in the day. Uh, but yeah, I was I was hoping yeah. I was hoping for a different outcome. You know, I can't stand so. Low. So are you and the entire fucking internet? Oh, everybody's tired of this fucking. They're tired of Roman being the fucking champion for so long. Three WrestleManias in a row now. He's been the champion. And probably will be this time next year. Yeah, but, no, uh, for sure. Um, well, that's and that's the thing is that you know Andy and I were we we saw what Triple H was trying to do. We saw what he wanted to do. Did he fucking expect what happened? You know, the next day? No, I doubt he did. The second that that Endeavor fucking bought or owned fucking WWE, it was like because you know Vince put that in the stipulation of the contract, one hundred percent. He's like, I have oh. creative control. Oh, yeah. So, back to old school, or not old school, but like, back to shitty WWE. Um, Alright, well, let's go ahead and do our a list here. So, I have, as the two top matches, which are 20 points apiece, is the tag chat match and the women's SmackDown champ match. Yeah. So, which one would you say is better than the other? Honestly... I gotta go with Rhea and Charlotte being the better See, match. I, fuck, I disagree <clears throat> with you on that. I think that the the tag match was better. And it's the the tag match was just just right there. Can I can I make an argument about both being twenty and why the tag match should go above the Rhea and and Charlotte Flair one in this regard? The story leading up to the tag match was better than the story leading up to the women's champ match. I don't deny that one bit, but that doesn't make the match itself better. I think it can. It can if you're emotionally invested. However, I hadn't watched any WWE wrestling in two years, and I enjoyed both matches immensely. Both were the best two matches of the weekend, by far. Uh, but I thought that the Charlotte and Rhea match was better just because of, you know... Uh, we're at an impasse. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Know. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're both great, and I both loved them. But I got to give the edge to that one. Uh, the the other two, the other 19s were the Intercontinental Three Way and uh, the um, Undisputed Tag Match. Or Tag Champ, sorry, not Tag. And Cody Champ. and Roman. Yeah. I imagine you're going to give Inter- Intercontinental the, the edge on that one. No, no. Oh. No, I, I think the uh, I'm always going to go for a solo or a tag over an odd number. Uh, unless it's. Unless it's just a hell of a triple threat. I thought you were going with the um, the Intercontinental because uh, because of the ending to the Undisputed that you were upset about. 
No, I mean, I didn't agree with the ending, but it doesn't take away from the match being a fucking great match. It's so interesting that you do that because, like, that was Andy and I's distinction for because we had top, we had four that were in our 20 that were 10 out of 10 for both of us. And to distinguish them in our one, two, three, four, um, we, uh, um, we use the idea of the build up to the match as the defining factor. The defining factor for me has always been the match itself because if it's a good enough match, it tells its own goddamn story in the match. It doesn't need a story before the match. I don't agree. I don't agree with that at all. I think that the story leading up to the match, it enhances the match quite a bit. It can enhance and add to it, but the match itself is the story. I disagree wholeheartedly with that concept. I don't I don't think that I'll put it this way. Watching that war games match that I was talking about, mm-hmm. I didn't know any of the backstory. And watching the match itself, I was impressed by the wrestling. I was impressed by what was going on. But there was stuff happening before the match itself that I didn't know what was going on, and they showed it during the match. Like, because we know how they come out of a cage at different intervals of time, Mm -hmm. five minutes. Every five minutes. There was a moment where one of the girls comes out of the cage and starts attacking the other girl that was in the cage with her, and I'm like, I have no fucking clue what's going on here. But if I did know, it enhanced the match quite a bit. But inside the ring was a whole different story. And... If you don't know the story going in, you have to watch the match with this, like, how well are they performing? But if you know the story going in, it can enhance the match quite a bit. So I don't think that a story can be told in the ring to that, to that degree. No, I, I, I just... I've seen too many matches over my life that don't need that build-up to be a fucking wonderful match in themselves. You know, storyline's not necessary to me. I mean, it can be fun, it can help, but it's never been what I've always been a fan of, and that's the actual matches and the story the matches tell. But, you know, everybody's different in what they like and everything and for I think why they an, like I think, it i think that watching wrestling is a combined you have to enjoy i don't have to but you it's better for me to enjoy the encompassing thing so if i'm watching a match that's a really good match it might not be as cool of a match if i don't know the story or if the story leading up to it is kind of garbage yeah you see, and you know, you got to think uh, until the Attitude Era and fucking uh, when WCW got hot with the NWO, you didn't have a lot of fucking drawn, crazy storylines, long drawn out storylines, things like that. So I was, I grew up on the era of storylines were simple. There were feuds for whatever fucking reason. Uh, 
but the matches themselves are the ones that told the story and then it got more elaborate over time but i've just well because they noticed so that people conditioned. like those, they noticed that people like doing the story so yeah i mean it's 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 split you know and i come from a uh uh the um like I didn't grow up on WWE where a lot of they were nationwide, but I grew up on a territory. So I'm always going to have in the back of my mind. I think I'm always going to have like a territorial mindset when it comes to looking at matches. Right, and plus two, you know, I did train briefly with Ricky Morton and buddy Lindell back in the late nineties. Because uh, I was going to try my hand at it, and then decided, "Fuck no, this lifestyle is not for me." <laughs> I did, I did a little bit, but it was on a trampoline, so I can't really say that I trained or whatever. But no, this was on the fucking actual in ring with the wooden planks on the fucking metal frame and the fucking padding and the canvas over top of it and the fucking tape wrapped real rope ropes fucking yeah <laughs> yeah i got gotcha. you all right well that's i think we're gonna call it there on that story or that uh review because we still talk about mandalorian yeah we're uh, an hour and a half in right now yeah that's a bit much so sorry everybody for that long interval because we both enjoy wrestling so we wanted to talk about that because wrestlemania is the biggest wrestling event of the year so um well, let's go ahead and talk about Mandalorian episode, chapter 22. Yeah, this one was titled Guns for Hire, and it opens up with uh, we see a we see a uh, Quarren ship and it's it's overtaken by a Imperial Star Cruiser. Uh, don't know what type of cruiser it was off the top of my fucking head. But it turns out it's being piloted by Mandalorians, in particular, Axe Woves and Casca Reeves and the rest of the Mandalorians that used to be under Bo-Katan's command. Uh, and they uh, were apparently there to uh, retrieve a prince who had fled from a planet because he was in love with this fucking Quarren and he was uh, Mon Calamari. Uh, they take him back, and then we see that Bo-Katan and Din Djarin and Grogu have gone to this same planet called Plazier 15. Uh, she's there to make contact with Axe Woes uh, because they're working as mercenaries, and she wants to bring them back into the fold. Uh, but before they can meet up with the Mandalorians, uh, they're involuntarily diverted by the planet's rulers, which is kept Captain Bombardier and the Duchess, played by Jack Black and Lizzo. Which, the second that popped up on screen, I went, is that Jack Black? And my dad was like, I don't know. And I was like, holy shit, is, and that's Lizzo? <laughs> yeah. They asked for the help in neutralizing several repurposed but malfunctioning Imperial and Separatist droids. Uh, they go to speak to the head of security, Played Another. by Christopher fucking Lloyd. 
again, I went, I went, what the fuck is happening in this episode? It's Christopher Lloyd. My dad goes, is that Christopher Lloyd? And I'm like, yes. And the camera goes to zoom in. He's like, holy shit, it is Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> like, what is happening with this episode right now? First, we have this weird-ass Star Trek-style uh, beginning. And then it goes right into the most outlandish cameos I've ever seen in a Star Wars show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it goes into a kind of detective story. You know, they're they're tracking down, trying to find out what's going on with these droids. Why are they malfunctioning? And this is a this is a idyllic society. You know, there's no one works. The droids do all the work, and it's a pleasure paradise. Um, very Logan's Run, I might add. The dome yeah. cities and the railway. I immediately thought of Logan's Run when I saw that. I was like, oh my god. Um, but yeah, after stopping a rogue droid, Bo-Katan and Din Djarin follow its trail to the resistor, a droid bar, uh, convince its bartender and clientele to help them. They find out that the droids were sabotaged through nano droids in the bar's maintenance fluid, which were covertly imported by Commissioner Hellgate, the head of planetary security. Uh, when confronted, Hellgate reveals himself as a separatist before Bo-Katan stuns him, knocks him out, and he is exiled. They are then granted an audience with the Mandalorian privateers, to which Bo-Katan challenges Axwoes for leadership and defeats him. To help her ascendance, uh, Mando admits that he was captured by a cyborg in the minds of Mandalore, and he was disarmed, and that Bo-Katan came to his rescue using the Darksaber, which he rightfully bestowed back to her. And the other Mandalorians recognize her as the rightful leader now. And that's where the episode left off, when she ignites it and is holding it there, and that was a cool shot. Oh, yeah. Um, it's uh, This entire episode felt like a side quest in a video game. Where you're like, oh, I have to do well, not side quest, but it's definitely like that offshoot piece of the of the game where it's like it's still part of the main quest, but it's not part of the main story. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, that was interesting. I I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was kind of fun. I always love when Star Wars, these Star Wars shows, kind of go a little off kilter and um, show a part of the galaxy that we don't ever see in the movies or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, was, I was really, I really enjoyed that, and uh, <clears throat> having these cameos was a nice little, nice little treat. Well, I enjoyed the Christopher Lloyd one. Jack Black and Lizzo, I think they were a little over the top for my taste, but oh, I thought it was, I thought it was meant to be over the top and kind of. I silly. think it was that's meant nice. to be, yeah, exactly, uh, and that's just a personal taste thing, but. But yeah, I mean, it was a fun episode. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's not much else to say about it. It didn't. It didn't. Uh, like the beginning and the end were the, you know, the the, the crux of the story, the important part. So, um, yeah. What uh, what what grade would you give it? I'll give it a B plus. Interesting. I went with an A minus. Uh, I think a lot of the reason that we probably didn't give it any higher than that is because it is the hammiest fucking Star Wars episode I've ever seen, too. (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely was. And if there were ever an episode, you know, and like you said, the beginning and the end were the important parts. The rest was literally filler. Fun filler, but filler nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, 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 I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, you know, we don't really have anything next week. Uh, the, the, the WrestleMania thing was very last minute. It was, uh, we were kind of discussing it, texting each other while watching it. And, um, I was like, Hey, since we're both watching it, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Cause yeah. honestly, this, this episode of the Mandalorian, there wasn't a whole lot to say about it. No, so. no, it's. Because it does, I mean, it, like I said, it adds lore to what the Outer Realms could hold, and it had some fun cameos, and it was a silly, it was a silly-ish episode. Like, the way that Din kind of carried himself the episode was very funny to me as well. I did enjoy how he met and handled the conversation with the Ugnaughts. Yeah. And I did cool. enjoy the dynamic of, you know, hey, I'll, uh, you handled that, let me handle this, and then them kind of stepping on each other's toes a little bit here and there. Uh, that added to a cool dynamic, I thought. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it adds more to to Din as as a character too. Like, you know, a little bit more about him and whatnot. So there's that. Which let's be let's be honest, he's not really the main character this season. <laughs> no, no, but still. Uh. But yeah, um, yeah. So it's just next week's going to be the next episode of Mandalorian. We'll see where uh, Bo-Katan goes next. If she's trying to gather more Mandos, or if that's this is it, you know, her having the dark saber now is definitely going to be a massive help. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, but I'm excited. I fucking love this show. Like, love it to death. So, um, uh, let me get back to my notes here. So, um, yeah, if we add anything. We'll try to let you guys know on social media. That's why we didn't mention the WrestleMania thing because it was kind of you know last minute. But um, I think like, there's some stuff late last night, last minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, if there's anything that we add to the to the review list, we'll we'll try to let you guys know on the social medias, which are all listed down below. Give those a follow, and uh, you know, say hi. They so just give you know, like last post, like hey guys, and we'll say hi. Um, the bip, 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 that's yeah so also if you want to if you want to help support the podcast uh, other than listening and sharing uh, the other way you can do that is by going to our teespring store where you can find a bunch of uh shirts and and a bunch of shirts it's really just two different types of shirts but uh um yeah they have a lot of apparel and a lot of gear um summer you know spring and summer's coming around the corner so you probably get like a, a shirt something cool like that you know how it is but yeah if you do let us know on social media and we'll we'll uh give you a little retweet or a shout out, whatever you like. Um, and no, just that all that goes right into the podcast buttons. So uh, that's it on my notes. Maya, where can folks find you? You can find me on Facebook under my name, Maya Dawn Fisher. It's a public profile. It's also linked to my Instagram and Twitter accounts. So it's your one-stop shop for everything that I'm up to. Well, what about you, Greg? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on all socials listed um, under Chub Rock Geek, or just search for Chub Rock Geek, and you'll find me on any social media account. Um, <clears throat> I have quite a few new clips on my Twitter from uh, playing games with friends. So if you want to check those out, they're they're not very long, you know, but they're fun. 
They're fun little comedy things. So you can check those out. Um, other than that, that's it. That's it for me on that front. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be busy for the next two months. Very busy. Very fucking busy. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. I love doing this fucking podcast. I look forward to it every fucking week. So knowing that you guys also listen to it and look forward to it every week is... I, I, I adore it. So I appreciate it. I'm sure Maya appreciates it too. I do. <laughs> uh, guys, real quick. Uh, fuck the GOP. Fuck the NRA. You know how that goes. Uh, donate and help where you can. People are hurting all over the place in different aspects. This country is shitty. So, you know, do what you can to help your fellow man. I, that didn't mean to rhyme, but it did. Um, and guys, we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.